but a new superyacht had moored up at Oyster Keys on Sunday, and that would act like a magnet to every tow-rag criminal for miles around. Orton had left a message for D.C. Walters to urgently check its security this morning. The last thing he needed was a high-profile robbery on his patch. He would have preferred to ascend Cantelli, but his sergeant would throw up the moment he got on the water, and Horton didn't think the owner, a man called Russell Glenn, whom Horton had never heard of, would appreciate that on his nice, shiny new yacht. "'It's one of the reasons I chose to live here,' Stanley called out from the kitchen, bringing Horton back to the matter in hand, which had nothing to do with his job. He was here on a personal matter, hence the early visit before officially being on duty. His heart beat a little faster at the thought that the former PC might have information that could help him trace his mother, who had walked out of their council tower block one chilly November morning in 1978, consigning Horton to years of anguish and torment in a succession of children's homes. And on Friday morning, he had an appointment with the Social Services Department to view the case file that had been compiled on him while he'd been in care. He knew it would make grim reading and bring back painful memories, which was why he'd never requested access to it before. But events over recent months had forced him to confront the past, and now that he'd embarked on this journey, it appeared he was powerless to stop. His gut tightened at the thought that what he might eventually discover could be worse than he anticipated. But time to reflect on that later. Stanley was saying, I told my son Robin that if I had to be cooped up in a flat, then I wanted the illusion of space, which that view gives me. And there's always something to see. Hence the binoculars, thought Horton. You can look through them if you wish, Stanley called out again demonstrating that uncanny knack of reading Horton's mind. Horton wasn't sure he liked that, but he guessed there were some things you never lost, no matter how long out of the job. He picked up the binoculars and quickly focused them in, surveying the Solent. It was, as usual, bustling with container ships, tankers, pleasure craft and fishing boats. With a view like this, sir... And your background on the force? We could do with your help on Project Neptune, Horton called over his shoulder. And what's that when it's at home? Diving for deep-sea treasure on sunken wrecks? Not so dangerous, and not so much fun, Horton smiled. It's the brainchild of our new Chief Constable Paul Merridew. We've stepped up security because the American submarine USS Boys is due to visit Portsmouth in two months' time. We've been recruiting residents, fishermen, sailors and boat owners to report anything suspicious. Horton zoomed in on a shapely dark-haired woman in her late twenties throwing a ball to a black mongrel dog on the beach below them. Nice figure. The girl, not the dog... She stopped to talk to a man in his forties carrying a dog lead. I read about that in the paper. Stanley came up behind Horton. Reluctantly, Horton removed his gaze from the good-looking woman, 
who was ruffling the dog's fur in a way that made Horton very jealous of the mongrel, and swung the glasses on the man she'd been talking to, who was now walking past someone launching a canoe from the public slipway. A jogger with his iPod plugged into his ears swerved around them. Finding nothing of interest in the parked cars on the promenade, two saloon cars and a muddy blue van, Horton lowered the binoculars onto the table and took the mug Stanley was holding out for him. Stanley said, "'Nobody wants a repeat of what happened in Port Aden in 2000, and there's plenty of opportunity to launch an attack from a small vessel in the Solent or Portsmouth Harbour, similar to that attack on the USS Cole. It killed 17 American sailors. Al-Qaeda, wasn't it?' Horton nodded. Hence Project Neptune. And Horton's boss, DC.